Welcome to Old Dude Music Review. I'm your host, Tony. The date is the 31st of December, your overlord, 2023. And today, the second episode of this podcast, we're going to cover an album that was just huge in my music life. An album that came out in 1994 and altered what I listened to and what I thought was music. I stayed in the last episode. If you listen to it, you know, I, I, I Nirvana, Nevermind was great, yada, yada, yada. But this album just altered me. Um, I have never not had an MP3 player or a phone with this album on it. And other than about a four-year period after Chris died, there wasn't a day I didn't listen to one of these songs. Especially the one I'm going to do out of order in the last song, The Day I Tried to Live. But to get some background, it was released on March 8th, 1994. It was recorded July to September 1993. Studio is Bad Animals in Seattle. Uh, length is 70 minutes. It was on A&M Records, and the producer was Michael Beinhorn. I think I'm saying that right. It was the fourth studio album by American rock band Soundgarden, released on March 8th, 1994 through A&M Records, produced by Beinhorn and band themselves. Soundgarden began work on the album after touring in support of Bad Motor Finger, which I liked, and I saw them in Seattle because I was stationed there. I thought they were great and all, but they didn't play this music. Super Unknown was critical and commercial success and became the band's breakthrough album. It debuted, 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 debuted at number one on the out Billboard 200, selling 310,000 copies in the opening week. The album also topped the Australian, Canadian, New Zealand charts. Five singles were released, The Day I Tried to Live, My Wave, Fell on Black Days, Spoon Man, and Black Hole Sun the latter two of which won Grammy Awards and helped Soundgarden reach mainstream popularity. In 95, the album was nominated by, for the Grammy album award, Grammy Award for Best Rock Album and had been certified six-time platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. Super Unknown has been listed by several publications, one of the best albums of the 90s and quintessential grunge album. In April 2019, it was ranked number nine on the 50 Greatest Albums. Soundgarden began work on the album about two months after finishing a stint in 1992 Lollapalooza tour. The individual band members would work on material on their own and then bring it to demos to which the other members of the band would contribute. Chris Cornell said that the band members allowed each of the other more freedom than on past records. Thale observed that even though the band spent as much time writing and arranging as it had on previous albums, it spent a lot more time working on recording the songs. After two albums with producer Terry Date, the band decided to seek another producer, Michael Benholm, who didn't have his own trademark sound, which he was trying to tack on to Soundgarden, and had ideas the band approved. The album recorded, uh, the album recording sessions took place July 1993, September 1993, at Bad Animal Studio in Seattle. As according to Cornell, there was never a decent studio in Seattle. Now there was one with Nerve consoles, so it seemed obvious to use it. Bad Animals residence engineer Adam Casper, who went to produce Soundgarden's following albums, assisted by Norm on the recording. The drum and bass parts recorded first for each song, and then Cornell and Thale would lay down their parts over top. Cornell said that Getting to know Bynum contributed the length of time Soundgarden spent working on the album. The band spent time experimenting with different drum and guitar sounds as well as utilizing techniques such as layering, resulting on expansion product sound. Cornell said Michael Bannon was also into sounds. He was, was so almost anal about it that it took the, took the piss out of us a lot of the time. By the time you get the sound that you want, the 
to record the song. You're sick and tired of playing it. Bynum tried. By the time you get the sound... That, okay, I'm sorry. Bynum tried to add many of his preferred musicians to mold the band's sound and what Bill Burr described as weaning the band through brute force, giving it the impetus to invest in more subtle power. For instance, prior to recording the vocals of Black Horse Sun, Bynum made Con- Cornell listen to Frank Sinatra. Subgroup unknown last, last for 15 songs, clocking an approximate 50, 70 minutes because, according to Cornell, we didn't really want to argue over what would what should be cut. Soundgarden took a break in the middle of the recording to open for Neil Young on a 10-day tour in the United States. The band then brought in Bynum, Brendan O'Brien to mix the album and Bynum took the band or felt the band needed a fresh pair of ears. O'Brien had come recommended by Pearl Jam, Stone Gossard. They all called the mixing process very painless and bassist Ben Shepard said it was the fastest part of the record. Footage of the band recording and mixing the sound Kickstand was featured in Bill Nye's The Science Guide episode on sound. And I'm not going to go into the rest of it. It was just really huge. Um, I remember hearing Spoon Man and thinking, hey, that's great. You know, sure, it's cool. But then I delved into the rest, and it was just, once again, one of those albums that you think you wrote the songs. Because there's a period of my life I was... uh, Jesus, that's 30 years ago. So I was 35. Does that sound about right? That can't be right. 90, yeah. 35 at the time. And, um, you know, we'd gone through a lot of of stuff with the marriage. Things were getting back together when this came through. I was personally running through all sorts of different things. You know, what I wanted to be, who I was. And it just seemed like this album came when I I needed it, right? So I want to go over the songs. I'm going to play a little bit of every one. Um, not focus on Fell on Black Days because I can't hear that song anymore. It makes me so sad since Chris died. But go through the ones that literally, you know, uh, affected me. And, and I still listen to and I still feel like you know, the same emotions I felt the first freaking time. The photo I'm going to put up here, this is when me and my wife were starting to get us, right? We had gone through a lot and got out of the military and we had kids still. And, and this was the period where we midlife crisis together. It was so freaking awesome. Um, and, and it's just hard to believe it was, you know, a decade ago. We went to this uh, concert, saw them uh, May 10th, Louisville at the Palace. We had 13th row seats. I cried through so many damn songs. She did because this album was just part of our youth, right? It was like this really important album. And and they played King Animal, which was a tour they were supporting. But most of it was super unknown. And we were just going crazy on concerts. We had seen so many. So the next show was going to be about Murder Mons. And that one was like, the, it was the last show we went. Um, she couldn't do it anymore because of her her uh, knee. And uh, it was miserable. You know, we, we got floor seats, 10th row, so stupid. Chairs suck. Everybody's pushing you. It was just not fun. Um, it was a horrible concert. And she was in like incredible pain. And I said not go, but she wanted to go, so we went. But um, that was the last one on, on our concert trek because we 
This was one of the rare ones that we went to Louisville and watched the concert and came back home. Most of them, we were tying them into a trip to Pensacola around our anniversary. We saw so many bands from Rush, you, you know, freaking Van Halen. We saw Mudvayne. We saw, I mean, these huge productions of Stain and Godsmack and Slipknot. I mean, we were just going crazy on uh, concerts, and we would leave and drive down to Alabama, get a hotel that we already booked, and stay up late and party, and we just had a great time because we were doing it together. You know, we're both hitting, uh, you know, late 40s at that time. I'm 56. It was a decade ago. I was 46. We had grandkids. It, it sucked. Um, and unfortunately, it was also the end of our sex life because then she had her emergency, and uh, we couldn't make love anymore and kind of changed the marriage. So I have such fond... Memories, not not you know that sex is that important, but that was her love language. So when she lost her love language, you know we kind of changed. But it was our last big hoorah. You know, two kids that got married really young, and now we're old and we're going through our midlife. And I don't know, it just all ties in. It just ties into this album. So we're gonna start with uh, "Let Me Drown," which I've just always loved this song. Um, so it's gonna be a bitch. There we go. And here we go. Just a great lead-off song. It's got that driving freaking power chord. Just goes through the whole damn song. And yeah, I used to be able to play this. So at times you're gonna see my left hand because I'm a lefty cranking air guitar. Because I man, this is like the one of the first ones. I bought the book, tab book, paid money for it, which is really rare. Rare, you know. Usually don't do that. And I just went through all of these. Just fucking love that playing this it was so awesome. Um, one of the albums we'll cover after, well, we'll do Murder Mons, but then we'll do the uh, Third Eye Blind album. That was another one I played the whole damn album. I just love that damn thing. So then we go into the next uh, song, which I know I downloaded, but I can't find it. My Wave. Where the fuck did My Wave go? Here we go. So this one was always one of my favorites. Um, to this day, when people fuck with me, I just go keep it off my way motherfucker and you know I don't say it because I won't even know what I'm talking about but I love this song Such a god. Don't come on. 
just uh, God, I'm 56, but every time I I'm in my 30s, man, I just God, it was so good. So track three was Fallen Black Days. I can't play it. I I just can't. I I can't play that song. It makes me fucking want to cry every time. Because I I consumed, you know, as Swifties are to Taylor Swift, I I was a Chris Cornelli, man. I, I don't know think that's a thing, but acoustic set, fucking his acoustic albums that came out with both of his solo albums were so fucking good. Well, there's more than both, but I got his last one and I got the first one that I, it was such neat music, right? Musically, it was so cool. Um but I just can't. It's so sad. I just always think, what would he be doing now? You know, what what music would he be putting out? Because King Animal was great, but could they have done another one? I don't know. Next one's Mailman. I've always liked this song. It didn't get any airplay. good song man it's just so fucking good every time shit happened in my life I would listen to that goddamn song 
and try to somehow reclaim that, okay, everything's going to be all right. Fuck everybody. I'm good, right? I'm good. No, I'm good. No, really, I'm good. Then we go into the one that just... It's one of the psychedelic... It reminds me a lot of uh, Led Zeppelin. I mean, it's just got so many elements because Thale is just a god, man. That fucking dude, man. He plays so good, yet nobody ever talks about him. Um, Super unknown. And it just... To this day, I'm playing the whole fucking song. It's just an amazing song. Enjoy. I'll shut up.
He's about to uncork that fucking guitar, man. I love this solo. Such a fucking good song, man. It's just such a good song. Everything about it is spot on. I, I don't think he could ever do it any any better. So, let me go into one of the songs that I have probably made my mascot or my soundtrack since I, I don't know, since I started fucking up in life. Head down. It's a short one. Still hits on. I gotta see him play it live, which is really cool too.
All right, don't want to fill up the time slot for that. It's it's just a really good song. Freaking love that freaking song. It is my theme song of late. Let me go into Black Hole Sun. Just going to play a little bit of it. Everybody knows it. It was a great one. It's got the weirdest freaking video ever. And it's classic. It's just a classic. It's a classic song. So that one's one of the ones that incites so many happy memories for some reason. Of, of all the songs in this, this one, I, I remember summers and me and the wife hanging out and working in the yard, cranking Soundgarden, right? Just freaking cranking it and smiling at each other because it just incited youth when we were young and when the world was still big and it, it appeared that everything was going to go our way, right? You just get those periods when you, you know, you go through, we went through a really rough patch where we almost got divorced and then we put our shit back together. And this was the put the shit back together phase where, yeah, we're good. We, we fixed us. We're going to, we're not going to keep doing the same stupid things we used to do. And then your kids are growing up and you just have all these memories. And it's just amazing how music is always a thing that incites those memories. It makes you go, hey, yeah, I remember this. I remember this. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of songs for me late is just sad, which is stupid. Um, I probably need to change my music palette. But it, it does bring up, you know, sadness and happiness. And just it's an amazing thing. I think that's why all of us, you know, love music. It, it brings back so many things. So the next song on the list, uh, the track list, was, of course, uh, Spoon Man. Not playing it. We played it a million fucking times. Everybody's heard it a million times. You already know it's a classic. So let's go into Limo Wreck. This one didn't get a lot of love, but I always love this song because it was just different. Um, and this is a live one at Guitar Center.
such a good fucking song. That one just doesn't get a lot of credit. You can hear it on Octane every once in a while, but um, it's it's a really good one. Going to do The Day I Tried to Live, live 4th of July, and Like Suicide at the end. So we're going to skip um, The Day I Tried to Live. Kickstand's a silly one. I'm not going to play it. Fresh ten- Tendrils. I fucking always love this song. It was another one that didn't really... Um, Get big airtime, but mm, it's really good. Here we go.
it's just god that is such a fucking good song and it just never was it was never huge which i i never understood um then there's half which is a cute song and then there was one they did with um she likes it came out on the one i showed the other day the 25 year beauty with all the dvds and rehearsals and a blu-ray never used it bought it i wore this hoodie those have been the show on uh, Flyer Politic. I wear the hoodie all the time. It's one of my favorite hoodies. Fucking love that thing. Even though now it's a dress on me because I've lost so much damn weight. So now I'm going to go into the three that are just gigantic. And I'm going to play the song and then talk about it afterwards. Um, we're going to start with Fourth of July. And then we'll do Like Suicide. We're going to end on The Day I Tried to Live because it's, it's one of those songs that, uh, my God, my life sucks this sucks it's a big suck fest so um we're gonna go fourth of july and this every time i hear this song i'm in combat now the reels he got pulled over on acid and it was a cop and he thought he was gonna get caught so that was what he wrote the song about it was never about war but in my mind i looked down a valley after we had a firefight and secured this compound and i'm seeing rpgs blow up around um Apache helicopters and I said it looked like the 4th of July and then they put it in the book because I said the words but when I was saying it in my head that day freezing um, not scared but not happy right it was kind of one of those moments where you're like Jesus this is not cool man I thought combat was going to be cooler than this it kind of sucks motherfucker shot an RPG at me I ain't that fat I mean what the fuck dude um, but I heard this song it was in my head during the firefight, during the whole 13 days in that valley, I kept hearing this song. So for me, it's combat. That's all I hear when I listen to this, even though it wasn't what it was written about. I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to play. Why am I going to say one thing? That's the sexiest fucking guitar I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it's sexual Shower in the dark day, clean sparks diving down, cool in the waterway.
woods. I don't know. Everything about that song, the guitars, just, god damn, man, there's just nothing wrong with that song. I mean, it is like, not to be gross, it's like an ear orgasm. Every time I hear it, the octaves, the the rhythm, everything about that song is fucking perfect. It is like a perfect song. The next one's very interesting. I've always thought it was about suicide, but it was not about suicide. He was, during the writing process, he saw a bird fly in a window and it died. And then he wrote this epic song that the lyrics are, it's like he's talking about a woman who committed suicide, but it's a bird. It's like suicide. Another really underappreciated song in the grunge arena. 
me, it's just the layering of those guitars. There's three guitar lines in the song, and they're just gorgeous. Play to the solo and then I'll stop, stop this song. It's pretty much repetitive, but the solo is
gorgeous solo, man. They just don't make music like this anymore. I mean, you just don't... There's nothing like this. I mean, I know I've been going on about Sleep Token and how awesome they are and blah, 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 blah. The fact of the matter is there's nothing like this. You're going to do the... The Grammys are going to go and you're going to have some rock guys win some albums, but when you really get into their albums, it's, you know, it's all that scream shit, which once again, you know, I love fucking metal. I, I get into metal... I've said it numerous times. If Taylor Swift would put a goddamn guitar in one of her songs with some freaking power chords, I'd be a fan. I'd be a Swifty. Because she can write songs and she can sing and she's really talented. But I need a guitar. I need a fucking guitar screaming at me because it just is me. It's what I need to hear, right? But the new stuff, it's the opposite. You know, they could just put Taylor Swift on their songs. You know, put a goddamn ballad. Put some kind of hook. You need to have a fucking hook. Granted, almost every popular song nowadays, from her to whoever the fuck you're listening to, it's because they have a hook. They have this nice tune that captures you, and you go, oh, fuck yeah, man, that's awesome. And you sing it. It gets stuck in your head, right? The new metal is it's lacking that. You just don't have it. So then we end up in this song to me has just been um, ever since I left the military and couldn't really find out who I was or what I wanted to be because I was an idiot. I never really thought about it. It just kind of like I was going to be a soldier and then all of a sudden I wasn't. And so where do you go from that? Um, I didn't know where to go. So, through the trials and tribulations that, you know, if you've been, you just stumbled across my other podcast, everybody knows, I heard me whining enough as you being sick and da 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 da. I've literally just kind of been in a shit zone where, man, give a brother a break. Just, just one break, right? And every morning since I've been sick, I've listened to this following song and I've screamed it to the deer and the antelope playing. And it's the day I try to live. It's the thesis song of this album. It is the culmination of everything they put together. It was just a perfect song with guitars, vocals, lyrics, drums. In my opinion, you can't do it better than this. I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to play because if I talk, I'll start crying. And I'm not crying. Not about a Soundgarden song. Seven Dust did a cover, but I didn't like their version. I don't think you can cover perfection, personally. And I like Seven Dust. We're going to cover Southside Double Wide one of these days. It's a great album, but yeah. 
You, you can't fuck with this. And you shouldn't fuck with it.
30-year-old album. And I, once again, say, show me one like it now. Show me just anything that's close to that. I can't find it. I look for it all the time. Um, I picked up many an EP, had the one song that you're like, oh, this shit's good, man. And then you go, oh, fuck, that's it, right? That's the only song on the album. The rest of it blows ass. And you're like, son of a bitch. Because you think, this is going to be a great band, man. They got a really good song. And you can't. It's just like, you know, I was going on and on and on and on and on uh, about Ultraviolet uh, by Spirit Box. But then I get their album, and it's just that animal noise, screaming, don't have a hook, where is it? Or I find a good beat and a nice ballad, and where's the fucking guitar? Where's the, where's the beef? I need the beef. Where's the beef? I can't find the beef. There's no beef. So you go back to your past and you pull out albums like that and go, man, they, they, they still constructed albums to be a listening experience for you, right? Um, they don't do that now. You know, you don't really get a whole album. They do four or five good songs, a couple trash songs, put out a seven-song EP, and you're like, okay, that sucks. You know, None of that shit was worthy of uh, a whole album. So I miss it. And since they don't really sell albums, let's be honest, it's all Spotify and that kind of crap. It's kind of depressing because, because of the new way we listen to music and consume it, people don't buy albums um, and I miss it it was so awesome to get that album art and the liner notes and who they dedicated it to and all the lyrics were there and I used to hang them on my wall right like I had super unknown vinyl CD kind of both because it was just such a good album still have the album um, all right, so that's episode two, waxing poetic about an old album by a band that doesn't exist anymore, but damn, it was freaking good. You can fly that, find this on SoundCloud, Fly Over Politic with a K is where the audio is. We're going to keep it on Rumble because I can't get it on YouTube because they say I'm infringing on copyrights even though I'm not monetizing. I'm just waxing poetic about music. The next album we are going to review um, I meant to get this up. It's another one of those incredible albums that came out and fuck me running. Um, God, I love this. I love this album. This is another one that I just, I mean, I listen to this religiously. Murder Mons perfect circle that's it that's our next one we'll cover it front to back it's not as good as super unknown there's less good songs but if you never listen to the whole album and you only listen to the singles which singles which was judith uh three libras and Orestus, which they destroyed right Three Libras, they turn into a live version that has nothing to do with the damn song and Orestus is beautiful but they've added a two-minute solo, which I love. It's on Stone and Echo. 
So I'm going to play the live versions of it because they're so good live. Um, and the history of how the band formed, which is really interesting. Billy Howell was a roadie for Tool. And that's how he started this band. But you have links to Smashing Pumpkins, Tool, Pucifer. I mean, there's so many cool links to this. So it's, it's a great band. So I hope this one is enjoying. I know it's just playing music and my little input, but it might be stuff you never listened to because you never bought the whole album. And I hope it at least makes you go, hey, I'm going to give a, that album a try. So uh, until the next episode, which uh, let's go uh, the third. We're going to go 3, 3 January 2024, where we cover Murder Mons. If you want to contact me and have me review album or play an album or maybe one of your favorite albums, just send an email to foppodcast at gmail.com. Until then, take care. Thanks for listening.